Welcome to Down to Earth Combos Down Under, Episode 9. In this episode, Isabella Carter joins us to talk about learning in the real world and ways to do that whether you homeschool or not, as well as how to operate more consciously in our daily lives. Hey there, Brad. How are you in WA? Hey, Ali. I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you over on the Sunshine Coast? I'm super excited because we have Bella Carter joining us today, which Bella is a mutual friend of both yours and mine. And we are just delighted to have you here today. Join us for a Dad with Combo Down Under. Would you like to introduce Bella and Abs- let our listeners know all about it? Absolutely. So Bella is a wife and a mum of two teenagers, and she's really devoted the last 30 years of her life to the world of a more progressive education that is, you know, based in the real world. So she's homeschooled her kids in a quest to help them with lifelong skills, you know, knowing who they are, what they stand for, and how to build their life and their meaning. So now that her children have chosen school for their final years, Bella has re-entered the early years as a kindy teacher. And at that stage, she believes that children set their foundation for positive lifelong learning and meaningful learning. So Bella's also passionate about helping parents uh, and their children tap into what she calls the other R's um, to ensure that they're creating a positive and constructive learning journey. So along with the other R's, there's resilience, respect, resourcefulness, and she's adapted the slow food paradigm and merged it with slow parenting. So slow education and slow living. So ultimately, Bella lives and teachers with the mantra, good for me, good for you, good for the planet. And if you can't say yes to all three, then don't do it. So Bella, I have a question for you to start off with. Um, Can you share with us some of your family mantras that help to keep you all inspired? Well, first, thanks for having me, guys. It's really great to be here. So what I've been able to develop through the years, and I guess this started way before I had children, was the idea of good for me, good for you, and good for the planet. I, through the experience of teaching other children and then having my own, became acutely aware of the fact that rushing through the educational journey and, in fact, rushing through life has caused a great deal of stress. And when you're in stress, you stop and things go downhill. So what came to me, and this was actually coined, this term was coined through a good friend of mine, Brendan Glanville. Good for me, good for you, good for the planet. He is a parent of four kids and he also has been through a similar journey of unschooling and homeschooling his children and developing a whole program around uh, drama and teaching children good for me, good for you, good for the planet through drama. So it's his... It's his teaching that taught me how to embody good for me, good for you, good for the planet. I took that on as a family mantra. And so the whole idea of good for me, good for you, good for the planet is in any decision that you make, in even the micro moments when you're working, when you're playing with a friend or you're choosing what to eat or you're, you're making a huge decision about what you're going to do with your next step, investing or whatever, ask those questions. Is it good for me? Is it going to harm me? Is it going to fulfill me? Is it going to support my journey for well-being as well? 
then is it good for you, the community, the local community, the global community? If your decision is going to impact negatively, and I mean, not it's not so much you can't keep everyone happy and that's that's not our job to make everyone happy. It's our job to focus on our well-being so that we can help others. So it's not about that. It's more about it, is it really damaging to the to others so um there's there's quite a distinction then i could go on but i won't and then is it good for the planet and that's an obvious one you're not going to do anything that's going to harm the planet so if you cannot say yes to all three of those things then then the answer is clear and you you don't go ahead and then you keep asking the question what what well what is it that's going to support me what is it that's going to support others incidentally through what i do and what is it that's always going to keep the the, uh, the planet healthy? So that's that's our mantra. But underpinning that mantra are the other R's that I became aware of and I created for myself, and then used in my teaching, and then used in my parenting. So the other R's that I came up with, there's actually ten of them. So the we've all grown up with that idea of three R's. In school, right? So reading, reading, writing, and arithmetic that doesn't doesn't start with with R. R. So go figure. We're always asking that question as teachers. So they are important, but alone are not sufficient. Right. So exactly. So I became aware of and developed the other R's for myself as a teacher, but incidentally, I've embodied those and now I've reached a a, an unconscious competence in it where I'm, I'm not even consciously thinking about them that, but they are underpinning all of my decisions so um what you mentioned earlier brad with uh re- resourcefulness uh responsiveness uh i'm reading them out on my list here because there's so many of them and i wrote them such a long time ago respect relevance rejoicing celebrating every day being being in gratitude and and having moments of really being present to the micro moments that are uplifting and are joyful reflection always reflecting and doing feedback loops so i can go on about that one reverence which is tuning into your intuition and prayerfulness and rest rest in your body every single day including that in your way of being which I think, let's say, let's 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 name the elephant in the room. Our education system is broken, and it's not the teacher's fault, it's not the principal's fault, it's not about a blame game. But mm. let's name it for what it is. It's not a system that is supporting holistic learning. It's it's just not. So we we have to take control, and that's what I've done with the other R's and being very aware of them and then having that underpin our mantra, good for me, good for you, good for the planet. And that's helped me as a parent to navigate the world of the schooling system and our society, the rushed society, and tapping into what you mentioned earlier. Also, Brad, slow parenting, slow eating, slow living. Bella? It sounds like you're talking about the lessons that kids don't learn in schools and yet you were teaching this in schools. What was that like? How did that go? 
<laughs> it's very, very challenging because you are in a paradigm that's very, very Rigid. committed to their way. And if it's not their way, it's the highway. However, there are schools now, there are environments now that are popping up everywhere where people have recognised the need to embody the other R's as their everyday way of being. So it was hard, Brad, and I have been through a cycle as a teacher and a parent where I left the te teaching profession consciously because I felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall even though I had very supportive principal at the time, it was very difficult because you're still having to report to the current curriculum, which is even more intense now than it was when I was teaching 20 years ago. But I had my baby and that was my very easy excuse to leave. And then I decided, well, my husband and I decided to homeschool our children. So for those early years and the middle years, that's what we did. And, and I'm not saying to parents, go homeschool your kids. It, it also has its challenges. So I'm not promoting that as the only way. It is but one of many ways to have a connected family life and to educate your children so that they become happy, whole, balanced adults who know who they are, what they stand for, and know how to create their own life of meaning. Not ours, but their own. So to answer your question, I found it very difficult, Brad. I left, I homeschooled my kids. They've chosen to finish their schooling in school. They're facing all of those challenges themselves, but they're aware of them. And the beauty of this now is that We've been able to instill in our kids an awareness of what to value and what to, to not worry about. So even in school, my kids come home and they tell me about the structures that they, they have to step through and they can tell me what's worth worrying about and what's worth pouring their time and effort into. And they have our permission as parents to say, don't, don't put any more time and effort into that particular thing or subject. But if that other subject is of great value to you and it's leading you to where you want to go, then pour your heart and soul and your commitment and your grit into that. So they're not overloading themselves and getting into a, into a situation where they're totally burnt out and stress because the minute you get into that burnout phase, everything stops and you're not effective. And that's what we're, we're, we're trying to avoid is them growing into adults who believe that's what life should be like as an adult. So I've kind of flipped it. It's, it's really having an awareness of right here, right now. Let's be the example of what adulthood can look like for them. And so if we, the adults, are rushing, working our butts off, not playing, not resting, not celebrating, not being in gratitude, not taking it slow. They're the lessons you're sending to quest, kids. Right, in the quest to help them be independent as adults, then what are we teaching them? We're teaching them that when you become an adult, you have to stop doing all the things you love because you've got to work really, really hard to make the money, 
buy the house, go into debt, and then spend the rest of your life paying it off, paying off your debt and being tied to it. So it, it just came as a blinding flash of the obvious to me when I was teaching children before I had my kids that this is what we're this is what we're gearing them up for. So it's like come full circle. And I really believe, well, it's in, it's in the research. It's not just my belief. It's, it's in the research that the foundations for lifelong learning happen in the early years. Yeah, it's, so not, it's not something that can't be fixed, though. So I see parents all of the time. They come to me and they say, help me. Yeah, my kids hate going to school. They're crying. They're holding onto my legs. They, they're just so stressed and they've had that the whole way through. It can be fixed. So while I say the foundations are formed in the early years, it doesn't mean that things can't change, but it requires guidance. You, you don't have to do it on your own. That's the first thing. Secondly, it requires commitment and it requires the adult to really get help in re-establishing and re-evaluating what they what is truly important to them oh absolutely i couldn't agree more with that we've been talking about values and connecting to a child according to what's most important to them the, children, yeah. the teachers need to connect with the child don't they bella that's yeah. wonderful there's just so much awesome stuff i was hanging on to every word you spoke then bella thank you can i i remember a conversation that came up a, a few years back with you bella about the pressure that the young early years like elementary school primary school kids yeah were going through in their junior years. And if I, re I recall a conversation, well, it's not a conversation, my young son came in from primary school, came into my office, and he, he was so upset that he was talking like this. And I said, what's wrong? What's wrong, babe? He said, I didn't do well in my science test. And wow. I can just tell you, you guys, that wow. this pressure did not come from me. Because I've raised three children and one, my middle one was the school. Actually, I will say that all my children love school. Yeah. My middle one, I'm talking about primary school. I used to say when he, when he was playing up, I'd say, keep it up, Sam, and you won't be going to school today. Because a part of this, what he loved about school was he loved his teachers and he loved his social, the socialising with, yeah. with his mates, yeah. which was fantastic. So I love to throw in a few of those positives. Sure. And yeah. then my middle, my, my, my little one, he was so academic that for some reason he put pressure, I don't know where the pressure came from. Obviously it stemmed from those early years, which is right. his early years of childhood, upbringing, teachers, who knows who planted this seed. Mm. But he puts enormous pressure on himself. And then later in the high school years, he got to the stage where he was die reaching, vomiting yeah. from the stress of exam pressure and things like that. So that was just mm -hmm. mind-blowing for me. And I had to like pull him out, pull him aside and, and connect with some, some really light healers, actually, they were to sort of rebalance him up. So we talked about right. balance, but yeah. You know, ultimately the lesson in life, in education, in all that we do as humans, no matter the age, is learning that wherever you are there you go so it actually doesn't matter what's going on around you what matters is how you react to it now that's not something I've made up we've all heard that we're all hearing about that concept but it is absolutely true so whether your kids are in school whether they're homeschooling whether they they're unschooling 
It doesn't actually matter. What matters is in that moment, how your child's reacting is an opportunity for learning. It's, it's, it's about recognising what's happening right there and then, and then going, I'm going to learn a new way. And I'm going to, whether you leave the environment or whether you choose to stay in that environment, but deal with it in a, in a more empowering way for yourself, that's the lesson. So my daughter's the same. She's an A-type personality. She has chosen to focus on her grades. Now, as a family, we don't focus on grades. We, we, we personally see grades as a false sense of gauging where you're at. It's it that you get that final grade and it gives you a false idea of what you're capable of. It can give you a bit of an idea of where you are on a journey and help you decide about what your next goal might be, but it's not the be all and end all. And that's what we teach our children. So, but what we say, what we value instead is in that particular topic that you decided to commit to, how important was it for you? What value are you focusing on for this? Where, where do you want that to take you? <laughs> right here, right now, not, not what you want to be when you grow up. We don't ask that question either. We say, what interests you? Right here, right now, go do that. Because every little step, step leads you to that awareness. That's excellent. Of where you're going to go as an adult. Can I bring this back to that? I, I've just had like a, an epiphany. Rick talks to us all the time, doesn't it, Brad? <laughs> we, we have these like one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with our guests. Thank you. Thank you. I just had like a revelation. So the reason, like when I look back, hindsight's a wonderful thing when you look back. I can see that science to this particular son was hugely important to him. Right. On, because now the years have passed. I can see that his passion and he's hugely purpose-driven. So that's just like True. a little penny dropping. Maybe the pressure came that's from right. within right. because he was aligned and connected to his that's what purpose and mission. Wow, that's awesome. Right. So in the moment, recognising that for him it is a really powerful thing. It's like going, oh, yes, science is so important to you. Goosebumps. So how can we do this in a different way where you're not freaking out and you're just enjoying the journey? And yes, you're working hard and you're studying hard. That comes, that is absolutely perfect and healthy in that scenario. So I've I've always had this idea of let's let's stop looking outside of ourselves. And I, I can I can say that now because I used to. So I am by far the perfect parent I am not the perfect parent and I think that's another thing that we need to just get rid of is is to say to parents I know none of us know what we're doing and then our, our child grows into a new stage our first child we're always first parents right because they our first child grows into a next phase and next phase I don't know I, I'm navigating new ground here I don't know what I'm doing so accepting that you don't know what you're doing is is a really beautiful place to be but not not um, berating yourself for it and just going, oh, here's a new journey. This is exciting. I'm always learning. Learning is an exciting journey. It is not to be a, a scary journey. So as a parent, I've had to learn that because I used to put myself under an awful lot of pressure when my kids were little to be the perfect parent for them. And I actually incidentally imposed that stress onto them, especially my first child. 
and he acted out because of it. So his behaviours were, were a reflection of the way that I was feeling about myself. But one thing that I was doing was always looking outside of myself, always looking at who, who can, who can um, help my kid, who can teach my kid this, who can do this? Oh, they're not doing it right. So I'm now going to go and find someone else who is doing it right. And as long as you're always looking outside of yourself and not trusting yourself, you will never find the answer. You're always on that rat wheel. You're just going round and round in circles and you're creating more and more stress and you go faster and faster. So I learned the hard way and I hit rock bottom as a parent and I did have, I, I guess it was just not really a breakdown, but it was like this low point where I just went, oh, I just can't do this anymore. And that happened during homeschooling. That was a really tough time. And I know that there are lots of parents that are homeschooling now, especially in our area. And this is pre-COVID, actually, in our area. It's very, very popular here on the Sunshine Coast. And they go through all of that self-loathing and that, that, that pressure. So really, it starts. it does start with us, the parents, oh, to absolutely. come to this beautiful slow parenting paradigm where you can just come back into your body and be present and really be aware of what you value most. And one of the things is just valuing being in the moment and stopping this idea that you have to prepare your kids for the next stage. You don't have to prepare your kids for the next stage. The minute you're thinking like that, you're stopping the learning because right here, right now is where the learning is happening. If you can just stop and, that, and that's where the fear comes from and that and that stress is like what are, you know they're not they're not learning enough for the next thing they're not they're not developing enough for the, the next thing it, it it's not that is actually it's the opposite to that if you can just come back into the here and now and be present to them and enjoy that their learning just skyrockets and so does yours by the way and it's all vibrational too. The children, if they feel that the, there's no pressure from the parent to perform right. well and bring these A's and A pluses and B's, oh, my goodness. And it, it starts back when you reflect back to the reading. And I had the right. school readers when I was young. And, oh, yeah, I, I look back, I, I was felt dumb and stupid going to remedial lessons and, and the remedial room was where the, my friends were outside. They could see it because it was right. a window. And that still happens now. It's just it's so not good. It's, it's not. It's not helpful at all. And it is, you know, there's there's all this conversation in the education world about Australia not performing in the literacy and numeracy, and it's so counterproductive yeah. and counterintuitive what's happening in schools because what they're actually doing in schools is what's stopping the learning. So if they just relaxed and let kids play, because we all know that kids. Adults, humans learn best through play. And I'm not saying just play all day, but there has to be a, a, a long period of play every day, including for adults, and then within that day, a snippet of some structural learning where you consolidate what you've learned through the play. And, and for us in our culture, it's the opposite, and that's why it's not working. So if we come back to... Slow parenting, slow living, slow food, focus on what's good for me, what's good for you, what's good for the planet. Be aware of the other R's underpinning all of that. It suddenly becomes so clear and you can, and you can just relax and enjoy it.
And that starts with R, R for relax. Yes, R for relax, rest, rest and relax. Yes, I can add that to my to my list. Give That's me a so pen. important. Give me a pen. Okay. Relax. Let's, let's do that. I'm writing that down. I'd like to interject there while you're writing that down. Um, yeah, I'm totally on board with all that. And I think that uh, for people who want to learn a bit more on the academic or research side of things, Free to Learn by Peter Gray talks a lot about yeah. play and the importance of play. And with the, the problem of the school system being kind of flipped on its head, uh, the issue there, or one of the issues there, is that extrinsic motivation dominates rather than intrinsic motivation. And a great book for that is Punished by Rewards by Alfie Cohen, I think, K-O-H-N. And yeah. he talks about it's not just in the school environment, it's in the workplace as well, that these bribes, these um, carrot and stick yeah. methods, they produce the opposite results. And so when you give a kid a piece of paper and ask them to draw something and you say that, you know, the best one's going to get a reward, then objectively looking at those drawings, there's less creativity and less um, interesting drawings, you know, using a criteria for something that is a bit subjective. But the, the difference is so stark that they can actually do that, that when they do the same experiment and there's no punishment, no reward, just here's a piece of paper and go for your life. They can draw amazing things. So it's uh, one way of really illustrating that concept right there in the real, real world and in study. Yeah, and so Ken Robinson is another one to follow all of his videos. Yeah. He's the top TED, TED speaker. Yeah, top three Sadly, TED talks. He passed away just recently, yeah. which is really sad because I wanted to meet him. Oh, well, we did. And we both yes. did, didn't we? Yeah, we and, loved his um, TED talk. Please so he's got a lot of videos for, for anyone who hasn't seen him. I'm sure most people have nowadays, but um, he's always worth mentioning for that topic. That, that, that kind of thing kills creativity. He speaks a lot on that. Brad, we'll put that in the link, won't you, Brad? Ken Robinson, well. TED Talks. Yeah. Wow, Bella, I've just thoroughly enjoyed today. It's just like, wow. It's a very worthwhile topic, I think, for all of us because nothing works without something else. Everything's so intricately uh, intertwined, I guess. So if we're, if we're talking about educating children what we're really talking about is how are we living our lives so we're bringing children into the world into a paradigm where we're taught that it is our job to teach them so if we're thinking it's my job to teach my child how am I living my life because kids learn best through role modeling yeah it's not what you say it's what you do Absolutely. Right. So that's number one, I think. It comes back to us. It always comes back to us. How are we living our lives? Because our kids will be a direct reflection of the parenting and the environment. Mm. Well, still being who they are. And I think that's one of the hardest things for parents to accept. All of us have this idea that we, we either want them to be like us or we definitely don't want them to be like us. True. But they are born how they are in their own bodies, their own minds. And, you know, the, the people say, my mother even says to me jokingly, and I'm very, very close with my mum, she goes, oh, I don't know where I went wrong with you. <laughs> and there's a joke, there's another joke in the family that all my aunties 
say, and my mother says, I'm Grace's mum, uh, Grace's daughter rather, not Gina's daughter. So Gina is my mum because I'm more like Grace in personality, in everything I do. I'm much more like Grace. I'm nothing like my mum. And everyone's just like, how can that be? But that's the point is that our kids are not us and we are not them. And we have to stop imposing on them what we think is right for them. The best way I see to parent your kids now is for, is to help them tap into what feels right for them yeah. without judgment. Obviously, exactly within the realms of what's good for me, what's good for you, what's good for the planet. That's if the what you're doing thing. is not good for you, then I as a parent have the interest in you and the love for you to say, Here's my wall of resistance and it's a loving wall of resistance, but by golly, I'm going to resist that. You're going to come up against a nice strong wall here because I love you. So, yeah, if you're going to go take drugs, I'm not going to stand by and go, oh, well, that's your choice, honey. No. If you're going to go and drink to the point of of falling on the ground and and being incoherent and then getting in the car, no, here's my wall, wall of resistance again. So we're not saying... Just go do what you want, however you want, with whomever you want. So we've got to keep no, those boundaries to guide, protect. In that context of good for me, good for you, good for the planet. Your mantra, your family mantra. Yeah. And I love the words of the late Dr. Wayne Dyer, guide and step aside. Yeah. And that really falls under that. Yeah, you've re- your mantra has really captured yeah. keeping our kids. We're here to protect and set boundaries. And, yeah, yeah that's, that's beautiful. I, I do have Brendan Glanville to thank for that he and I became friends years ago when our kids were little and he taught me that and that was just like a light bulb going off in my head it was just wow that oh, just Jesus. and it, I've never forgotten it I still thank him to this day I still mess he's in Brisbane still message him going still using it I still live by it it has changed my life mm. that's excellent that's mm. remarkable and I think that's a great takeaway from today's session so I think one extension on that for my key takeaway today is, you know, how do we achieve that? And really it's to be more conscious about what's working in our life, what's not working in our life and why, and are these the models? Is this what I want to model for my children? And if it's not, uh, what can I do better? What can I replace these unhealthy or um, hampering uh, habits, activities, things that I'm doing uh, to create a better life for me and a better life for my child. Ali, what would your key takeaway be today? Well, it's hard to narrow it down to one thing because Bella, you're such a dear friend of mine and we are so, us three are so aligned with this real world education and tapping into a child's values, what's most important to them, being present, being present with your child, just allowing like stepping back and not looking for the answers on the outside to go within and for the child to go within as well and to be bring them up in a, a world more of balance. So with your mantra, it's like I can see that uh, that would definitely help your children live a well-balanced, healthy, happy life, mm. fulfilling life, mm. and always to go back within because I'm a big fan that the answers are within. But, oh, Bella, mm. oh, thank you. It was just so I just want to say here. one more thing. Is, really? It's, it's, yes, well, many more things, but <laughs> it's so easy to get overwhelmed, and I still... I can still suffer that, right? But I have managed to deal with it 
in a way that's really effective. And the question that I always ask myself when I start to think, there's so much information, there's so much I can do. Okay, what's that thing I'm going to do is what's my next step? You just chunk it down and that works brilliantly for everything. That one question, what's my next step? That one thing. And so what I help parents do when they call on me and they have this world of dilemma and stress is let's come back to the basics. What's our one next step? The one next step I do with them is let's come back to who you are, who you stand for as a parent, which is your values. Let's redefine and come to an awareness and let's write those down and let's just pick three. So we list a lot of them. It's like keep going, keep going. It's like a free write where you're not thinking too much and write, 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 write all the things that you value. Now let's highlight three main ones that everything else falls under. It's like the umbrella of your three main values. Let's start from there. And when you gain clarity on that, so for me, mine, mine is uh, connection. So connection with self, connection with my family and my friends, and then connection with nature and the wider community. So connection is really important to me and the village that brings up my children. Uh, vitality, which, which is my well-being, my health, my rest, my, my playfulness, my joy, all of those things that I keep alive in my everyday micro moments and being still stillness present presence slowing down slow life slow parenting slow education slow everything right so stillness staring at a wall okay so the next step is write down everything that you value find three main ones and go from there beautiful values your, your top three values yeah. for you and your children for yeah. every member of your family yeah that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bella. You're welcome. I like that. Nice and simple. Bella, where can our listeners go to find and learn more about you? Well, at the moment, I am building something. But until then, you can go to the Barefoot and Connected Facebook page. So it's Barefoot and A-N-D Connected Facebook page and that's where I I just incidentally write about everything that we're talking about today and share my thoughts and stories and any information that I find that supports all of that. Brilliant. I'll put and, that in the notes. And I think we might be finding Bella on future podcasts where Bella will be sharing those R's. Yes. The R's that they failed to teach in school. Yes, Bella, you got to come Absolutely. Yeah, we can we can really flesh out each one because each of them, it, it might be one word rest, but when you unpack it, we look at examples in real time of wh where does rest pop up? It's not just I go to bed and rest, right? Mm. Let's yep. think about how rest can come into an everyday situation, whether you're on, on the train or the bus or in a classroom or it doesn't matter. There are there are opportunities for that that can actually make the biggest difference in your life. So we'll unpack each of those R's. Excellent. In we detail. look forward to those conversations. Wow, thank you. You're welcome. Oh. I look forward to it. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast, like it and share it. Thanks for watching. Bye for now.
Thanks, Bye Brad. For Bye for now.